Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma the Job Seekers Podcast. Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Job Seekers Podcast. This is the art of negotiating salary, part one. The purpose of this podcast is to empower the job seekers to take control of their job search and ultimately improve their own lives. According to a Cornell study, eight out of 10 companies are willing to negotiate their job offer, but only three out of 10 job candidates will even try to negotiate their own salaries. So we want you to be empowered so that when you do get that job offer, there's a good chance that you do get a better salary and you know how to do it tactfully without turning off a prospective employer. I have an extremely credible source of information here, Professor Tony Simons, who actually teaches negotiation uh, among organizational behavior and leadership at the Cornell University Hotel School. As many of you know, trust is a major part of any negotiation, and a major part of his research examines trust. His research, I should say, has focused on how well people are seen and perceived by keeping their own word. And so in a negotiation, I find that to be incredibly important, and that element is introduced in this podcast. He is also the author of his own book, The Integrity Dividend, Leading by the Power of Your Word. I am proud to have taken this course when I was a student at Cornell University, and it's one that has extremely impacted my own life beyond the course itself. It's one that has inspired me to look beyond the surface level of an initial offer, and one that has also inspired me to constantly look for a win-win scenario rather than just looking to take something for myself. So guys, this is exactly why I'm so excited to share this man's knowledge with you on the digital scale. You're going to learn some pretty amazing things during this podcast. You're going to learn why it's important to negotiate for your salary. You're going to learn when the most appropriate time is to do it. And you're also going to learn the logistics of how to negotiate for your salary. You're also going to listen to me negotiate a fake salary offer with him for a position. Um, So we just made up a scenario. We said um, software developer in the middle of nowhere. Um, And I think I blew it. So (laughs) you got to watch me embarrass myself in front of my past professor. And we'll hear his critiques and feedback afterwards. This man also literally walks on fire and teaches other people to do so within his firewalk certification. The practice of firewalking is a spiritual practice that involves strengthening the mind-body connection. And since learning how to negotiate involves overcoming your own fears, I thought it would be very cool to mention that he is also going to be talking about it during this podcast. The man is fearless, and he also knows how to negotiate. So let's find out how. Without further ado, I am proud to bring on Professor Tony Simons from Cornell University. Right, everyone. Welcome to the LEG Job Seekers podcast discussing the art of negotiations. I am extremely to have this discussion right here because there is a lot of opportunity to get people involved in negotiations. Professor Tony Simons, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am excellent. Uh, so I just wanted to kick it right off before we get into the nitty gritty here. Um, how did you get into the art of negotiations? How did I get into the art of negotiations? Uh, when I was training up at, at Northwestern University, that was one of their big exports. Uh, they were one of the places where people really started teaching negotiations, them along with Harvard. Uh, and uh, uh, so we all just sort of learned how to teach negotiations as part of the PhD training. That's great. And you taught, you currently teach negotiations at Cornell University. How do I know? Because I actually took the course. Um, so how 
how did you you kind of get into that? And if you can just talk to us about what specifically you teach during this course. How did I get into teaching? Well, I just told you how I got into teaching negotiations. What do I teach? <laughs> Uh, what, what I teach is that negotiations is a game that is uh, cooperative as well as competitive. We tend to think of negotiations as primarily being about haggling, and uh, we approach it frequently with an idea that I want to get as much as I can, which means I want you to do poorly. And that's not really a sustainable approach because you develop reputations, and people who don't do well in their negotiations with you don't want to keep doing business with you. So the trick is really figuring out how to not just claim a good share of value, but also create value through the conversation, which expands the pie and makes it possible for you to get a good deal, but have someone across the table who also got a good deal and who would love to keep doing business with you. Exactly. And, and I like the, the principle of it being a win-win situation for everyone, because a lot of people think that they're just trying to extract somebody from something from the other party. Um, and so I think the more people think in terms of win-win and expanding the pie, the higher the chances are of having more success during the negotiation. So I think that's a good mentality to have. Yeah, and, and if you've ever had a negotiation with someone who's all about getting a bigger slice of the pie than you got, it's not fun. Give, given the choice of working with for someone who genuinely is concerned about how well you do, I'd rather work with someone who cares how I do. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying you need to neglect yourself. You need to watch out for your own self-interest too, but it's all about balancing the two. Exactly. And I remember when you were teaching negotiations, at least my year, you had somebody come in every single, um, you had all of us actually come in every single week and discuss something that we negotiated. Um, is that something you still do? Oh, absolutely. Uh, who negotiated this week is the way we start the Tuesday debriefs. Um, right. Because it's all about taking these ideas outside of the classroom and out into the real world. We're trying to change the way that you approach everyday negotiations, everyday life. So if it just lives in the classroom, that's not doing the job. It's all about making the translation. Exactly. And I remember it, like when you had us negotiate something for every class, it, it really pushed me outside my comfort zone. And I'll tell you, it's something that I was not used to doing. So um, I can't even remember the things I negotiated. There were some of them were random. Some of them actually were very meaningful. Um, but I remember it really did give me kind of the uh, the practice and the courage I needed to negotiate for my first um, salary uh, when I was uh, graduating college. Um, so I do really owe a lot of that to you and for you um, kind of empowering us during that class. Um, I remember at the moment, um, at the time, I had three job offers and um, I really wanted to kind of uh, make sure that I was being valued as much as possible. And I'm so glad you still have everyone do that just because I remember um, when I came in with a negotiation, really what it did was it gave me a lot more. Um, it really pushed me outside my comfort zone for one. Um, and so I was able to negotiate more things in my daily life. Um, and it even set me up for success for when I was negotiating my first salary right out of college. Um, so for that, I owe you a big thank you. And I really do appreciate that. Very welcome. 5% would make me thrilled. And just a random question. What, what was, what's the craziest thing that somebody's negotiated in that class? Anything come to mind? Well, when I was teaching uh, negotiations uh, at Northwestern, I was teaching in the downtown executive education, uh, on continuing education program where uh, practicing executives would get, they would be taking classes toward their, their MBA. 
And so I'd say, who negotiated this week? And I'd have someone raise their hand and say, well, I sold three cargo jets to a third world nation. And someone else would say, well, I closed an $8 million bank deal. So oh my <laughs> it, it was kind of nuts. It was, it was I want to offer a couple of points uh, for the listeners off of that. One is the best way to get comfortable with the practice of negotiation is to practice negotiating. And it doesn't really matter how high the stakes are. It's totally fine. Go out to a garage sale and and look for the sweater that's that's posted for a dollar and buy it for 75 cents and and just sort of keep looking for these other opportunities and get more comfortable with the process. And the other is it's always a good idea to take a class. I mean, a class will allow you to experiment and make mistakes without it costing you much. That's great advice. And I I think everyone can benefit from a negotiation class, especially if you are in business. I think this is incredibly impactful and I know it still impacts me to this day, like I said earlier. I really want to kind of get- It's an approach to life, not just business. It's business, exactly. Um, So kind of moving into the, the heart of this podcast here, why negotiate for your salary? Is there any reason beyond just, I want to get some more money? Absolutely, if you're being hired as a manager, um, they're going to expect you to negotiate on behalf of the company. If you're not willing to negotiate on behalf of yourself, how can I expect you to negotiate on behalf of my company? Absolutely. Great advice. Think of it as a work sample. This is so you want to show that you can be professional and you can maintain and build relationship at the same time that you're squeezing a little bit more out of something because that's the way you're going to want to be doing your job. Absolutely. And I mean, if you're going to be put in that situation, they want to see you taking action anyway. And so I think with negotiating, you shouldn't be afraid. In fact, you should feel more empowered to do so. Um, So I think that's incredible advice. Um, Another question I get from our listeners is, okay, so we have salary, but there are also these other elements that come into play. You know, we have um, benefits, you know, we talked about um, vacation time, things like that. What really is fair game when it comes to negotiating your salary when you get the job offer? Yeah, people tend to think that the only thing that that is negotiable is money, and that's simply not the case. And, And frequently, other aspects of the job are more flexible. Benefits usually are not, but occasionally. It depends on the size of the company. If it's a big company, probably they have a fixed benefit plan. Um, but sometimes there's some flexibility around, around aspects of that. Uh, job title can be flexible. Uh, location right. can be flexible if you're, working, if you're uh, applying to a company that has lots of different locations. Uh, the job path, uh, setting up a, an early performance appraisal uh, is frequently easy to negotiate. Um, Various contingencies can also work, that it's, uh, especially if you can quantify how good you are at something, if you can say, you know what, I am so good at yield management that I expect your occupancy rate to go up by 3% uh, after I'm on the job for six months. And if I'm that good, then this is the raise that I want to see. Because what the hiring manager doesn't want to do is, they they don't want to pay you top dollar and then have you not be as good as you say you are, because that makes them look horrible. but if you can say, I am exactly this good and I will prove it to you, and if I am that good, then you pay me top dollar, then that can be a really lovely formula. What you don't want to do is say, I am so good that you will give me an excellent rating on the six-month performance review, and if I do that, then I get a 10% raise, right? Because if right. you do that, you'll probably get a very good rating on your six-month performance review. So make sure that, that the contingency that you're setting up is concrete and measurable. 
Right, exactly. And obviously, it's going to take some research to do before you even head into the negotiation because you can't just show up and, you know, start, you know, spitting out these statistics that are going to make sense. And so I can't emphasize enough the importance of doing your background research. Uh, here, let me sort of jump the gun. One of the questions you were planning on asking was, uh, was for an outrageous story. I'll tell you an outrageous story for when I learned about the importance of background research. So I was heading out to Thailand, um, and one of my colleagues told me that I could buy an oriental rug, an oriental carpet in Thailand for a very good deal uh, because of the cost structures there. They don't make them there. They would have brought them over from India or, uh, or, or uh, Iran, but, uh, but, but that, that I could get a good deal on, on rugs in Thailand. And I said, great, that sounds like a nice idea. So um, I did some research. I found a storefront uh, to give some accountability that sold rugs. And I went in there, and I, but I didn't do background research on how much the rugs ought to cost okay. and what okay. I should be looking for. So I went in, and they unrolled this gorgeous rug, and their asking was uh, something on the order of 5000 for it. Uh, and I bargained them down to 24, and I was like, awesome. I mean, no, I didn't do my background research, but it's less than <laughs> half of what they're asking for. And the salesman, is, as far as I could see, was practically weeping by the time we signed the deal, and I was taking food out of his children's mouths. Um, and, oh my God. and I got it home, and, uh, and I took it to a local appraiser, who said, yeah, you paid 2400 for it, and it's worth 1400 oh, And I was pissed, God. right? It was worth 1400 in the States, okay? Oh, my so God. I was mad. And, uh, you know, and on closer inspection, I saw all the misweaves and stuff like that. And uh, so, however, I had, um, A, it was a storefront, so there was some accountability, right? I could, I could find the place. And B, I had along the way, they had assured me that this rug was wool and silk, and it turned out that it was just wool. And I had that in writing. And Thailand at the time has a very strong uh, police, tourist police, uh, because tourism is a major industry for them. They, they really give people a hard time if they're robbing tourists. So I reach, I reach out to them, and I'm like, I'm a professor at Cornell University's hotel school, and, you know, I can badmouth you guys a lot. <laughs> and, <laughs> you, used, you had some leverage there. so I have some leverage here, and I have this in writing, and there's a tourist police force, and I can send this information about this bogus rug that you sold me. Um, and we went back and forth on email for a while. Um, and finally it came down to, you know, there was sort of a trust issue on both sides. They're like, how do I know if, you, if we do something for you that you won't still be mad and and punish us and 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 I said look just make me whole just you know right. ju just right. send me the rug that brings it up to the appraised value and I'll, I'll say that that's good enough I'm not thrilled about that but I'll say that that's good enough and once I said that I would say within two days there was a FedEx package from Thailand with a rug that was exactly enough to make me whole this guy knew exactly how much everything was worth oh. so oh. I got this second rug right so we, we ended up with you know, the, my defeat rug and my victory rug. Yes. <laughs> In the divorce, Where, I held on to the victory rug, and I let my wife have the defeat rug. There, that's a, that's a separate uh, podcast for later. So. <laughs> well, actually, and well, here I'll say about negotiating the divorce. Sure, um, let's 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 hear. I it. made a deliberate choice to be generous in that, and I've never regretted that. Okay. That, okay. 
you know, for one thing, uh, you know, sort of going through the house, the guiding principle was whichever one of us cares more about a particular piece of art or a particular piece of furniture should okay. probably get that piece of furniture and the other person will get, you know, we'll, we'll put the, the, the dollar value, you know, we'll offset the dollar values. We'll figure that out. Okay. Um, and then uh, there was just a few moves like the law said that we should contribute to my son's uh, we made a bank account to cover my son's expenses, and uh, the law said we would contribute based on our incomes, and it made more sense to me that we should contribute based on disposable income. So that means that while I make a little bit more than my ex-wife, I have significantly more disposable income because all of that difference is, dis is you know, is, is more flexible. Um, and the fact that I operated that way, I think, has contributed a lot to our being able to have a, a, a positive, constructive working relationship in overseeing, in Great. managing my Great. son and, and raising my son. So, uh, yeah, so if any of your listeners is looking towards a diverse, uh, divorce, try to find it in your heart to be a little bit more generous than you have to be because it will pay off in the long run. Great. That's actually absolutely great advice. And we'll kind of see how later in this podcast, how this, this ties into um, some of the advice that we're going to have for job seekers. Um, and so I kind of want to move into kind of the how here, um, because, you know, a lot of our, you know, I have clients who come to me and they say, I got this amazing job offer. Um, it's, it's everything that I, I could have hoped for, you know, however, what they're offering me is not necessarily going to be able to take care of my family. Uh, my kids. So it really isn't their dream offer just because of salary and compensation. So um, what are those first steps? You know, how, how can somebody initiate that conversation with a prospective employer on salary? Okay. The first step is do your background research. You want to understand what kind of job you're applying for? What is the ex what what is the expectation of the hiring manager? How much? What is the price range? There, when someone is hiring, they have a range of salaries in their mind. Right. You right. want to know what that range is so you can get the higher end of that. And if you're going to push them beyond that range, that's a challenge, right? Because that would suggest that they hadn't done their research properly. Sure. And it could backfire. Correct. And something like that could backfire in the future, or would it not? If you're really trying to persuade someone that they have the wrong expectations for, for how much someone with your level of skill should cost, um, yeah, it could backfire right now. It could say, oh, uh, maybe I don't need someone with your level of skill for this job. Okay. Um, okay. So, See. yeah, so you got to be careful about that. And, and you can't assume that anyone is incompetent. It's, it's, that's an unwise assumption. The best assumption is that uh, people tend to know their work. So, okay. so okay. you want to know what appropriate comparisons are, just as you would if you were shopping for a house, right? You don't want to fall in love with one house. You want to understand the market so that you don't end up overpaying. The same thing is true when you're, when you're job negotiating. Exactly. Okay? exactly. Okay. So you want, okay. to, you want to understand what the market is. You want to have realistic expectations, and then you want to be ambitious but credible in what you're shooting for. Um, so, so, uh, so if you're asking what's the first move, the first move is before you even start this conversation, you want to have done that background research. Reference librarians are amazing. Um, and there are lots of 
There's lots of information online. I'm sure Chris can offer you uh, some suggestions about where to look online for the appropriate comparison numbers. You need to know all that stuff in advance. You need to know uh, what your special knacks are. Why are they hiring you rather than someone else? What are they looking for about you? And the more unique those attributes are, the more power you'll have in the negotiation. So if you are negotiating with a company that's hiring you and what they want is someone who was educated in Canada but has experience in America and also speaks Indonesian, then you've got a pretty unique skill set, right? Oh, you're, absolutely. You're looking absolutely. for what makes you unique and the more unique you are, the more leverage you're going to have in this negotiation because that means that there isn't someone right behind you that they can hire in your stead. If they're hiring you because you're a graduate of a decent MBA program and there's two dozen other people who would happily snap up the job if you said no, you don't have that much leverage. Absolutely. Right? So Absolutely. you, you want to have, have, you want to have done the planning beforehand. You want to have done the research beforehand. You want to know what they're looking for in you and what are your special attributes. And if you can find it out, you also want to know how this hire fits into their strategic plan. That is, why are they hiring you? Have they been trying to hire for this position for a long time? Or is this their, their first time advertising and you responded right away? Which of course is going to tell you that they're not very desperate. Right. right. If they've been looking right. for a while, then they're more desperate and you have more flexibility. So all of that has to happen before you even start the conversation. Then once you start the conversation, um, it's critical to convey interest in the company and to convey, even though you're negotiating, you want to keep that goodwill there. Right. And I kind of want to cut in. I, I don't mean to interrupt here. This is, this is absolutely great. But how do you actually start the conversation? Is it done through email? Is it done through phone? Um, should it be done kind of at the tail end of the job offer? Um, is there really a best time to do this? Well, you don't want to do it before they make you the offer. And <laughs> Shoot yourself right in the foot there. Well, that sounds silly, but oftentimes uh, during the interview, they'll say, how much would it cost to hire you? The appropriate response is, um, Salary is not the most important thing. If you and I both decide that there's a fit here, then we'll talk about salary. I'm confident that we're, that we're both realistic and we're operating in good faith, and, and we'll work it out. Boom, power move, right there. Or, I mean, or you can say, uh, are you making me the offer? And they'll say no, and then you'll say, great, we'll talk about it if and when you make me the offer. Right? Okay. I mean, it, it's, okay. so, but you don't want to answer that because before they've made you the offer, they have all the power. So don't put out a number there. And you know what else? Don't even put out a range. Because when you offer a range, offering a range is a classic rookie mistake in negotiations. When you offer a range, the person on the receiving side will hear the end of the range that they want to hear. So if you're negotiating to buy a car, right. and, and right. you know a used car, and someone says, how much would you like to pay for this used car? And you say, oh, somewhere between twelve dollars and $15,000. There is now zero chance that you will buy this car for $12,000, right? That you have just made an offer of 15. So don't offer a range and don't get into the conversation before they've made you the offer. Once they make you the offer, I think probably the best introduction to negotiation at that point is a long pause. A long what? A Say, long that again? what? Say that again? A long pause. Ah. So when Cornell was hiring me, when Cornell was hiring me, um, I was coming from the top business school in the country, 
and their most recent hire was not from the top business school in the country, and they had paid that person significantly less than I was expecting and then my classmates were making because I had five classmates. I knew exactly how much each of them was making. Okay. okay? So he makes me the offer. The dean makes me the offer. He's, and I'm like, and, and, you know, he calls. He's like, well, we're, we're interested. I'm like, awesome. This is wonderful. I like you guys too, right? And, and he makes me the offer. And I let it sit there for a few seconds. How long of a pause are we talking here? One, two, three. Because <laughs> I can only take so much silence. <laughs> Do I practice this? Um, that's Just a couple of breaths. Okay. And then I thank him. Okay. And I allow the disappointment to show in my voice. He's like, that was not a great offer, was it? <laughs> like, Don't creepily stare into their eyes and start drooling or anything. <laughs> Best piece of advice. And so I said, right, I knew what all those numbers were, and I also knew that one of my classmates had been hired just across the street at the Johnson College of Business, right? Okay. At the, at the Johnson Graduate School, right? And I said, tell you what, call the dean of the program across the street who just hired one of my classmates. Have a conversation with that person about what someone from Northwestern is worth coming out with a PhD. I knew exactly what he'd find out, but I also knew that it would be way more persuasive if he learned it from a conversation with his fellow dean. Okay. And he got okay. back to me a week later with a, an offer that was $5,000 more. He didn't, Perfect. He didn't Perfect. equal the Johnson School. That was fine. But, you know, he, he improved it. He, he, he halved the difference, uh, and, and that was good enough for me. All right, guys, that wraps up part one of the Let's See Grandma Job Seekers podcast, the art of negotiating salary. I thought we got some really important nuggets of information here. For part two, we're going to dive into more of the how and the logistics of negotiating. So we're going to talk about trust. We're going to talk about power and how that plays into a negotiation. So you're going to want to make sure that you subscribe to this podcast because we have some really important stuff coming and you don't want to miss it um, like i said you're also going to watch me blow a negotiation it's like a two minute um, negotiation i had with him and um, it's it's really important because that should kind of give you some more inspiration uh, because if you can watch me do it uh, then you can do it yourself so guys make sure to hit that subscribe button because we have some really amazing stuff coming up uh, this podcast part two is probably going to come up in about a week or so so stay tuned and look forward to it all right as for now, I am out, and you guys have a rest. Eh, I can't even talk today. Have an amazing rest of your week. All right, bye.